We've known this verse for years. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Please don't let this be just for the missionaries and your pastoral staff. I was wondering, okay, Marty was at the first service and was chatting with us about things that God had brought him through and how Pastor Spencer was there in the hospital praying with him when his mom was passing. We got to know Pastor Spencer while Deb was in intensive care over here in Battle Creek from a nasty car accident 36 years ago or so. And he was there faithfully praying for us. So as God led us back to seminary and then into church planting, I called him up real quick and said, Pastor Spencer, any chance we could share our mission work with you guys? I just want to encourage you so much that with each limit on our lives, God will often use those because if you've had a child with special needs, somehow you will know more people with special needs children than I ever will. And I have met more people with brain injuries than possibly you ever will because that's what we got to experience. So on one hand, the sufferings are serious and heavy and a struggle, and yet God does glorious things through our suffering so that we're equipped to minister with the grace we've received. So when you hear, I will make you fishers of men, that's not just for the professionals. He's equipping each one of us, even through our struggles, to be able to share that comfort because we're fishers of men. Mark 5, 19, beautiful passage where Jesus leads the men. I, I need, didn't check this point, but I believe it's one of those. Come away, you guys got to have a break for a minute. So they're, they're trying to get away, and they land right where the guy is with a thousand demons in him. They have that quick altercation. The pigs take a swine dive, and, and the guy is set free. The city, the village, is so shook up that someone so powerful can give one command and the demons are gone. They tell Jesus, please get out of here. The man now in his right mind, Mark 5, 18, begs, can I come with you? Can I come with you? And this is the answer Jesus gives him. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Very, very often we have the most influence, the most powerful witness over our friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. There's a problem among many of us Baptist Christians, especially those of us old enough that we were used to the concept of separation from sin and, and separate from those sinners so that you don't get infected and and so many of us lost all of our unsaved contacts in about nine months. And many of us, as I look at your wonderful white beards and gray hair, and we probably haven't had an unsaved friend in 30 or 40 or 50 years. So who are we going to witness to if we have no unsaved friends? And I just leave that challenge on the table in front of us because all of us are called to be fishers of men. And so Deb's and my challenge, especially as we've gotten to Bowie, is, Lord, how can we make this unsaved community our people? Because when they're our people, we have the best witness. Jeff and Deb Minier. Holly, our second daughter, her wonderful husband, Ian, graduated from Virginia Beach Theological Seminary in 2016 as they helped us move into Maryland up from the Albany area of New York. Uh, he says, um, wondering what you'd think. I'm going to graduate in uh, May, and, and we'd like to come work with you guys for a couple of years to get experience before I go up into New England and either plant a church or pastor a church. He's got a great passion to see more churches planted. You know, What would you think if we just come and help you for a few years while I get experience? I had to call him back the next day and said, I'm sorry, I was so speechless, I never responded. Yes, please. <laughs> All the help possible. Yes. And they, they are a joy. Ian works full time for what we would loosely think of as a headhunting uh, company for human resources. Um, 
And so that is his job, and so his commute time in and back home, he's putting in around 60 hours a week, and then is trying to help us in ministry on top of that. Uh, I have informed him his three years internship is up. New England needs him. The way he can teach Bible studies and preach, there's all sorts of little churches throughout New England. He's got to get back up there. Which, how do you pray for the Meniers? Three families to replace Ian and Holly. So here we are. Bowie is this dark area in between our national capital, Washington, D.C., and our state capital of Maryland, Annapolis. It was one of America's first white flight suburbs. There was a train stop called Bowie, but between 1963 and 1968, the Levitt Company built a town. They used seven floor plans, and they rotated through every block through this mile-and-a-half-wide, eight-mile-long city. I'm born and raised in Marshall, Michigan. It was somewhere in my college years that we actually get feedback over the past year with the concerns of, of racism in America. Have any of you picked up the phrase red lining? That there are towns that mark out areas they will not sell to African Americans? I didn't know till I'm out of Marshall in college that Marshall set up some compact between the realtors. They would not sell a home to an African-American family. I grew up in that. Bowie was redlined. They consciously, purposely would not sell a home to any African-American family as the town is built from 1963 to 68. So Bowie is 66,000 inside the city limits, 95,000 when you add the couple of extra zip codes that's still on an envelope would say Bowie. And so we, here we are, eight miles long, mile to mile and a half wide. We are now 56% African-American. So to go from a town who wouldn't sell one house to an African-American family to where we are now, you can imagine there's been some stability issues. Right now, things are wonderfully stable. And they're very, very friendly. Um, I was chatting with somebody. To me, I have gone into the deep south. There are cheery, folksy people. A stranger at the grocery store can just stop and talk to you for a minute. Those who live in Bowie have informed me, this is not deep south at all. This is heavily influenced by the north. I think, really? I've lived in Albany, New York. <laughs> this is wonderfully wonderfully uh, happy and gentle people. But this just gives you a feel for what the demographics of our town are. There are 17 churches in a regular Baptist fellowship from Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia. And they call it the Delmarva Fellowship. They had lost two churches, one in Bowie and one south of Bowie, because as more and more Latino and African Americans moved in, they were only wired to minister to white families. And they aged out. They died because the people who had been an aggressive part of the church passed away. And so the fellowship was burdened. God, can you send us someone who would plant a church that looks like Bowie? Deb's in my last church plant up in Gilderland, New York, suburb of Albany. When it graduated, it was not just multi-ethnic, it was international. I don't have any special abilities except for God has given Deb and I a love for people and a fascination to find out what your background is and what makes you tick and to let, help everybody to shine for just who they are. And God used that wonderfully and we're seeing what we can do now down in Bowie. There are seven churches in the city limits that do preach the gospel. I am in no way saying there's no gospel witness here, pray for us because we're it. No. But in seven churches, 95,000 people, we have between 35 and 41,000 people who could never get into a church if they had to because there's that many lost people in our town. And we've never run over each other trying to win the lost. Bowie is big enough. 
So what I'm going to show you here is an aerial view of our city. Again, I said about a mile, mile and a half wide, eight miles long. See if you can track how many curly cues are through this map. Because it is a bedroom community. To the north of us is Fort Meade Army. To the southwest of us is Andrews. Now it's Joint Base Andrews, but Air Force. We have the Naval Academy in Annapolis. We have Coast Guard in Annapolis. I've got Marines just on the inside of the Beltway. And so this is wonderfully surrounded by our military bases and personnel. People who work in either government set often have a home in Bowie. So it's a bedroom community. We're down on the very, very south end, and as Deb was praying, Lord, give us a home where we've got unsaved neighbors or people we could minister to nearby. We weren't thinking far enough ahead, didn't understand the city well enough. When you have a bedroom community, you have no old warehouses to turn into churches. You have no shopping plazas to have a storefront church. There is now the Bowie Town Center, which is, it looks like downtown Marshall or parts of downtown Battle Creek, but it was all created just to be a shopping district. But there are no spare buildings you can plant churches in. So every school in town except our Pointer Ridge Elementary School already has a church in it. The community centers have churches in it. The theater has three churches meeting in it. After we got there, started reaching out, trying to reach people for Christ, the chairman of the Delmarva Fellowship made a passing comment. Oh, you know, I was supposed to tell whoever God brought down here that you might not ever own property to ever own a facility for your church. It, it can go a million dollars an acre in Bowie, so you may have to be in rented facilities the whole life of the church. I wanted to elbow him and say, now you tell me. I've been an associate pastor there, Calvary Baptist in Marshall, I've gone through changes, now Grace Baptist of Marshall. I, I have fussed with many others that, you mean 60% of our church budget is just keeping our facilities going, and then our Christian ed is another, I don't know, 25, 30%, and that's an awful lot of money just to have a building that only gets used, and then you fill in the blank. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Awana. Well, when you have no facility at all, what is there for the unsaved to drive by and know that Calvary Baptist exists? When you have no facility, you have no presence. I, I'd never realized how powerful it is that this glorious facility sits here on, I want to say, Capitol Ave North. Everyone knows you exist because they pass you all the time. It is this huge, beautiful billboard. We're here, quietly saying, you want to come visit? We're, we're coming up with other ways to try to have our presence known. Our focal point being this school, because so often it's as you minister to young families with children that you then can grow a future. God gave us a wonderful house as a ministry tool. It's one of those open floor plans that the dining room goes into the living room. And the very first time we walked in the door with our realtor and saw this floor plan, don't show us any other floor plan. Cape Cods are cute, but everything's this little salt box room. And if you had 12 people, you'd have to go to three different rooms to talk to them. I can have 17 people for Bible study in my house. I, we just said, this, this is a ministry tool. Now, it needed re-drywalling, a new roof, and all, but it is set to go, and we are thrilled. So, we are planning Shiloh Baptist Church and chose that name, number one, that it would be familiar with African Americans we want to reach, and number two, the word Shiloh is a Hebrew sister word to Shalom. We want to declare up front that Jesus is our peacemaker. When we are living in a culture right now, struggling with, okay, what do you mean by critical race theory? Is everything white people do really white supremacy? We've we're, we're, we got some serious things we're working with. 
How do we share the gospel and plant a multi-ethnic church in that environment? Jesus is our peacemaker. If we can have oneness in Christ, we can grow past the rest of the craziness we're working on. God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your what? And so, what are you guys about? We're here to love God, love his word, and love people. So, every week, we've got a Bible study, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. With COVID, I started trying to put on three devotionals a week on our church's Facebook page. Love this question that Deb and I heard from Baptist Mission's church planting, oh, I lost the last word. Anyway, they're training. They break it up from starting and graduating two different years. Um, but I, I love this. How can we meet and build relationships with unsafe people? And this was the answer. School of church planning is what they call it. Figure out what you like to do and then figure out how to do it with unsaved people because it is very, very hard if you hate knitting to join a knitting club and be a productive part of it, right? But if you happen to love radio-controlled airplanes like my brother does over in Jackson, Michigan, and you join one of those affinity groups, you'll have all sorts of opportunities for new friends. And so I just want you to wrestle as we have wrestled. Oh, okay, Lord. I am not a door-to-door -door salesman. College, I'm going to sell Cutco knives. If the person would listen through the whole 45-minute spiel, they would buy these $150 sets of knives. I, as a Christian, can I please show you the $15 knives down at Walmart? I can't stand you wasting money. <laughs> a lousy salesman. But I love people and I want to meet your needs. So, what do we love to do? Anybody here like to eat? It is very, very hard to come up with new hours in your week to do brand new outreach things. But if we could attach outreach to what I already do, whether it's in my neighborhood, whether it's at work, I've got to eat lunch at work. Can I eat lunch with my unsaved friends? Can I start getting to know people to get to being friends? So. Building redemptive relationships with neighbors. We get the house rebuilt, we move in. Nancy immediately comes down to meet Deb and says, are you guys going to stay or are you just going to move out real quick? And to me, that was a real simple little heart cry of, man, I need a friend. And so every other month or so for our five years we've been there, we've been having Nancy over to eat. And periodically, I would say, Nancy, I, I, I hear the, some, some of the pain in your heart. Could we have a Bible study? No, no, I, I don't want a Bible study. And from another ministry we'll talk about in a second, I was able to change the words. Nancy, would you be open to reading the Bible with us and then talking about what we read? Oh, I'd love that. I thought that's what a Bible study was. What language can they relate to? And May we not, as I often have, may we not assume our unsaved contacts, or we don't know their spiritual background, would not be interested in reading the Bible. Bible study could sound like, let me explain this to you. And none of us like being talked down to. Where if we're just going to read the Bible and talk about it, well, that sounds like level ground, even turf. So we're ministering to Nancy. God is softening her heart. Uh, I would love to get back to her, but I, I talk so long, so much. This is Phil. We've had him over. He's been divorced for 35 years. He's just about 80, and he loves somebody else's cooking. Ladies, please never underestimate your food. My wife will say very, very fast, I am not a cook. I'm not a good cook. So you know what she does? She flips through the quick cooking magazines to find recipes that look good, because apparently her definition of a good cook is being able to just whip it together without a recipe. So all the years of raising our kids, she has found the 
most fabulous recipes in the world, this not good cook. Don't underestimate your cooking. Your neighbor, they didn't have to cook it. It's warm and inviting. Unbelievable ministries there. Across the street, Stephanie and her mom, uh, very possibly believers, they go to a good African-American gospel preaching church. Jeff and Tracy on this corner, um, not, not saved. Uh, my, my first time of knocking on his door, trying to ask them over for a, a group cookout as we were opening our home, uh, having an open house. Um, the fragrance of his Budweiser filled the air as he opened the door. And that's okay. We want to love on people who might not yet know Jesus. And we've tried it. They will not come over for a meal. But I'm rebuilding the house, and guess what his career is? He's a carpenter. So I look for ways to run into something I don't know how to do. Off to Jeff's house I go. Building my violins. How do I take this piece of firewood? Because I need quarter-sawn lumber, so the way you split firewood, it's just this rough thing. It's still got bark in it. Jeff, how do I get a flat edge, cut it in half, glue it together so I can make a violin? And so every excuse, find what you like, find out what the unsaved like, and see how often you can ask for help in appropriate ways. Down below, two precious believers. On the left is uh, Venice, wonderful sister in Christ from Jamaica. Um, she even has her MDiv. She spends her love for Christ on elderly people. Her home there is a group home. Think of it as a mini nursing home. Three to five people who need constant nursing care. She has two homes, one there and one inside D.C., um, we don't get to fellowship often, but it is such a joy when we do. Miss Adrian is our newest neighbor. Uh, she's part of First Baptist of Glen Arden. So something as simple as we love to eat. We love art. And so Holly, trained at Bob Jones, is an artist, or watercolors. Oil is great, but she loves her watercolors the most. How can we meet the, the people who run the town? How can we get involved with? Um, I'm raised in a blue-collar family. My parents often struggled with a glass ceiling. Uh, it just seemed that structures would happen once in a while. My mom really struggled with equal pay for equal work as a woman. Dad didn't get enough. He was the, uh, he's number six in his family out of seven. And he was the first one in the family to graduate high school. So for him, that was a great accomplishment. He tried with the GI Bill after Korea to go to college. No one coached him on what he needed to graduate high school with to get to college. So his whole life long, I'm being raised by someone who's a functional engineer without the calculus. On that farm, he could build anything he needed out of what he had on hand. The glass ceilings were an issue. No one ever told them the stairway was over here, climb the stairs and go meet the mayor take the boss's boss's boss out to lunch and find out what it would take to move up in your career. But I talked with foreign missionaries and they said, hey, when you land on your field, Brazil, Central African Republic, wherever, first piece, the first people, person you need to meet is the mayor, is the tribal chieftain. You go meet the mucky mucks first. You don't start down at the bottom and insult him by entering his area without even saying hi. So Ian and I took the mayor out to lunch. I asked the police chief if I could have 20 minutes of his time and interview him. And so we're trying to meet the people who run Bowie, so Holly and I are right there in the arts committee. They use the city hall as an art gallery and we change art shows every three months or so. From the art committee meeting, Matt helped that for a while, but Matt happens to be, he was the committee liaison, but he for the whole city is the event coordinator for the whole city. We love meeting new people, so we want to use these cities' events somehow to meet people for Christ. Jesus tells the story in Luke 19 of the unjust steward. 
and Jesus often does, he tells you a story, and right when you expect things to slam closed, he puts a spin on it. And he has the audacity to say, the master of the house who's about to fire this guy had to acknowledge he had used his last moments well as he's building all sorts of friends because I'm too ashamed to beg and I can't dig holes. Then Jesus looks at his disciples and to us through the word of God. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. America has a number of good things in its culture, but one of the dangerous things we've got to be careful of is your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness is often as big as this little circle right here. My money is for us. I'm not even a pastor. You mean I'm supposed to take my hard-earned money and invest it in lost people to try to get them saved? And I love Ray Comfort because he's developed like 40 different ways to start a witnessing opportunity. But he'd go through the mall and he says, I have $2. If I give you $2, will you let me tell you about Jesus? He says, I've never had somebody say, I don't want the $2. (laughs) I would never have thought to walk up and somebody say, I've got a $5 bill if I give it to you. Can I tell you about Jesus? I am a chicken. It takes me a little bit longer in the relationship before I can freely share Christ. But I can spend my money in getting to know people, so... I ask Matt, you have one parade in this town, the Memorial Day Parade. How, how do I become a part? So we spent money decorating my Suzuki as a float. And Holly is driving it while the rest of us are walking down the sides of the streets, tossing out bags of candy with tracks in them, trying to let our presence be known that we care about Bowie and we care about our veterans. First Saturday in each June is the Bowie Fest. Matt, I hear about this buoy fest. How do I become part? Okay, here are the rules. They're just square, straightforward. Um, everyone gets a 10 by 10 booth, and he pauses for a moment and says, you're a church planner, you're trying to get a church planted. So I gotta tell you, you're gonna have to buy the canopy, and you're gonna want people to stop in to, to listen to what you have to say about your church. They're not gonna do it, unless, okay, my ears are open unless you have a second booth geared for children and you've got special things for the kids to interact with, then mom and dad will listen to you. Okay, how much is this going to cost me? You are nonprofit. You get your first one free. Okay, cool. What do I pay for the second one? He smiles. You're nonprofit. You get both free. And so I've got this guy. He's attending a liberal Baptist church inside D.C. I don't think he's saved yet, but he's telling me, how best to reach this community for Christ. God has given us grace in the eyes of Matt Corley as he gave Joseph grace in the eyes of the jailer. And so we praise God and we're very willing to spend money in various ways to try to get that done. Gary Rohrmeyer put together a wonderful track that's got the journey people make from I could care less about God to I'm actively seeking how to witness to other people. And there's just different stops. I could care less, I'm a little bit curious. I'm actively trying to get some answers. I have trusted Christ. Um, I'm starting to understand the gospel so I might share it. I have joined a life group, a community group that I'm growing. I'm actively witnessing. And as you're getting to know somebody, you can just drop this before them and say, where would you put yourself on the journey? Because we're all somewhere. And they point at something, and then you can ask, um, where would you like to be in three to six months? Can I help you? We took this track, and we made that whole 10 by 10, three foot, six and eight foot long banners of this very thing. 104 people put a sticker up where they presently were, and many of them put a sticker up of where they'd like to be in three to six months and filled out a follow-up card. The children's side, you can see, is a box maze. One of the families Holly and Ian were ministering to is a Mormon family that we are wanting as much interaction with as possible to get opportunities to witness. 
and I knew nobody else with munchkins from six to nine years old to crawl through my box maze to know if it was big enough. So I called them up and they kind of, okay, sure. And dad was watching very carefully to see what I was about. My first box maze wasn't big enough. His live kids let me see how I had finding an excuse to interact with the unsaved people I know to move the gospel forward. And so Deb ran that part, and the only problem was the box maze was that the kids would jump out run to the beginning, and it barely survived the day with all the joy it had. Here she is, and she would have the kids put dots on where they were as she could. First Saturday in October is the International Buoy Fest. All, if you've seen people in uh, German, Austrian outfits and, and, and their polka music, that's on one stage. And in another booth is going to be selling beautiful, colorful dresses straight out of Africa. And so I, Matt, what do I have to do to be part of the International Buoy Fest? He says, well, that's a good question. I, I haven't ever had a church really approach me to be part of it. I'm thinking, how dare they? But I'm ignorant, so we'll just go on. So what does it take? You have to uh, be putting forth a particular culture from around the world. He said, why? What, what have you been putting together so far? We've been buying a dozen of every translation of the Bible language that we can. We want to give out Bibles in every possible language these people come from. He said, you're in. But remember... That's the adult booth. So what are you going to do for the kids? And so here he is just encouraging us to interact. Um, the next year we had Israel as for get language to come out right. Ancient Israel was our culture. And um, they had this neat thing called a passport, since it's international. And everyone that was approved to be a passport location you had to have a stamp and, and say that the kid had done their activity at your booth. 325 kids came through our booth that weekend so we could share the gospel because the seventh station, it, it was like a mini vacation Bible school in 40 minutes as they blew through everything. But at the end, they were making a wordless um, gospel. I'm used to it in books, but these are the beads, and we're making a bracelet. And as they're putting the bracelet together, we're sharing the gospel with them. It was so precious as I, I didn't do it a whole lot. There were a couple of others that just made it flow so much smoother than I. But as I'm there for 30 minutes or so, I, I feel somebody near me, and, and I look up, and this African-American mom says, I've never heard the gospel this clear, succinct, and tight before. Can I videotape you when you share it with the kids next? That was just such a, a privilege to see what God was doing. This year, what we did is we got John 3.16 in 39 languages from around the world. For the adult side, it's just a flat map out front. And for the children, it's a big glow-up globe. And put a sticker where your family's from, and then I'll give you John 3.16 in that language. Now, of course, it's got a tract with John 3.16 on the flip side because we want them to take it home and get to read the gospel several times. We love doing things with people. So building relationships through affinity groups. Holly and Ian, 30 to 32 years old, their connections through social media are just wonderful. I, I feel like we barely know what's going on. I can run a computer and use it, get work done. But to connect with the world, I'm, I'm a newbie. She's part of the Mama Sisterhood group. She is part of the Bowie's parent group, the Multicultural Moms group. Ian's part of the Multicultural Dads group. She's part of a business group called Rising Tide, Tuesdays Together. She said, my most productive place is the story time at the library where I get to meet other moms with littles. Out of all those connections, building trust, building friendships, they then invited them to come out just once to a spiritual discussion group. You start this with icebreakers and you get everybody laughing and they're telling a little bit more about themselves and silly things that's going on in their lives from these various things that Holly and Ian had been part of. And um, 
their first child, Shyla, their birthing coach and her husband came. That's the Mormon family I'm telling you about. We didn't know their spiritual background until they were part of the discussion group. So over here, Alessandra had... Um, Nation of Islam was the religion of dad. Mom was Episcopal. And then here, we've got a couple of white folk who are living together, practicing Buddhists. And next to them is Amanda, the Buddhist's mom. She's Jewish, uh, living in a lesbian relationship. And then we have our Mormon family who invited in a couple of more Mormons. And there's somebody else, but I'm losing track. Deb and I were to be the only other Christians there, and we're supposed to be silent and praying. A flip side of our typical, where we're doing Sunday school or Bible study, and we're kind of in lecture mode informing them, spiritual discussion group is getting them to talk about their concerns and pains in life and handling just a bite at a time of scripture and watching all of their frustrations, all of their questions bang against the Bible, and I can assure you, Bible wins every time. Even with my eight years of Bible college and seminary, I still am afraid someone's gonna ask a question I can't answer. Bible handles it just fine, in even little bites at a time. And so we're getting to watch this thing work, getting them to open up and talk, and uh, the red-headed Buddhist gal says, you know, I." I really wish you guys could just take 45 minutes one of these times and explain the Trinity to me. I just have trouble wrapping my head around it. It gets to where they're comfortable enough with you as Christians. You're not going to jump down their throats. You've got no hidden agendas. They can come or not come as they see fit, and they just open their hearts up in some fabulous ways. Holly was connected with all these groups and said, hey, I'm bringing my little Shyla out to Allen Pond Park where all these events happen. We're just going to eat lunch. You want to come join me? What do you like to do? How can you invite Unsaved to join you? We're going to show a movie now. This is a gender reveal party for grandchild number two there in Bowie. She's looking for a way she can give her testimony. Holly, my professional artist, gorgeous voice singer, plays piano and guitar, but giving her testimony is hard for her. So she and Ian plan this whole party just to give her testimony. Our hostess is, uh, <laughs> has something she wanted to say before we cut the cake. Well, I wanted to say thank you guys so, so much for coming. It's really, really special that you all came. I hope you've been enjoying the sweet treats. And we've got one more sweet treat to cut in just a second. Um, but before that, I wanted to share something with you that's been really, really sweet in my life. And you guys may not know that, statistically speaking, this baby should not exist because I should not exist. So <clears throat> when mom and dad got married, she couldn't have kids for five years. And then she was in a horrible car accident where she almost died around 24 and um, was in a coma for nine days and had to relearn everything, brain damage and therapy and all this stuff. But somehow, God used all of that to fix her body. And suddenly she could have children. And then, so that's the first thing. And then when I was going to be born, I had my hand on my head over the umbilical cord, which would have killed both her and me if I'd been born that way. So I was in an emergency C-section. Then after safe delivery that night, the nurse walked in and I was blue because I would let my tongue go into the back of my throat and I would just stop breathing, which went on for six months straight. And I, it's in the 80s, so I had to be hooked up to this like gigantic monitor that mom had to carry everywhere. <laughs> so um, I share all of that because I don't believe in coincidences. I strongly believe in a powerful all loving, all wise God who works out all things for the good of those who love him. And he gave incredible grace to my parents and saving mom and allowing them to have kids and saving me. And then he brought me to accept Jesus as my savior at a young age. And you guys, let me tell you, there was nothing about me that made God be like, oh, I want that one. It was all undeserved grace, which is what grace means. It's just an undeserved gift. So, um, I just wanted to take a moment to share with you guys, because you're my friends and I love you, about the amazing blessing that God is in my life. And it's totally okay if you don't agree with any of that. Um, um, what was I gonna say? 
we, Amanda knows, we run a spiritual discussion group <laughs> where people from every religious background and every non-religious background can all come together. It's a safe place to bring our opinions and our questions and talk about things. You guys are more than welcome to come to that. We do that once a month. So anyway, thank you guys so, so much for celebrating this with us. Without further ado, let's cut the cake. had a party just so they could give her testimony. Deb, because of her car accident, has very little social security saved up. And so she started working to start earning social security quarters. Very, very often was the only Anglo in the Dollar Tree, everyone else African American, constantly praying, Lord, can you open up doors? Lord, I'm at the cash register. It's kind of hard to witness when people are getting through as fast as they can. But just how can we, how can we engage through that? She, I was going to say she found. All the family knew about it already. She has a special gift of bringing order out of chaos. She's done it in our home for ages. She made, got training and has made this a business, continuing to pray, Lord, how can I show them the confusion of life and the confusion of their home, much of that will be answered when they know Christ as Savior. Still may need some organizing help, but that's their real need. I love singing. I join the Bowie Senior Center Chorale to meet more people in an area that I already love. I had not gotten to play softball for over 35 years. In high school in the church league back in Marshall, home runs were my specialty. But you set some things aside for ministry. I'm driving down the road, and there's this sign out in front of this uh, Shell gas stop. It says, we're looking for new players 60 years and older. I was going to be 60 years in October. I went in. How do I sign up? You would have read it in our, our newsletter, but I just I marvel at God's grace in its simplicity. I'm, yes, thank you, dear. She says, hurry up, you're already out of time. I'm not sure how I'm going to start up conversations with these guys, but I love softball. And so God made it so that the coach could not remember my name. So at every practice, hey, preacher, it's your turn to bat. Preacher, I need you on first. Preacher, go back out to left field. Preacher. And so guys are coming up to me. So is that a nickname or are you really a pastor? And God was directing them. And then as we play other teams, we throw a ball between us, but then we bat and both teams are just warming up practicing batting. Hey, preacher, you haven't come in yet. So the other team's guys are coming up. So is that a nickname or you actually got wear in town? You're starting a church, huh? So it's just been very, very precious in that one simple thing, he couldn't remember my name, and then trying to figure out how do I describe to unsaved people my job here? At the moment, this is my simplest way. I'm here to make as many friends as possible and then to take as many of those friends as possible to heaven with me. Trying to say it very honestly, but in as least threatening a manner as possible. And all the guys with circles around them have been part of our spiritual discussion group to date. None of them yet saved, but Bill especially, up here at the top left, he was raised in a gospel-preaching United Methodist Church in Bowie, married a Jewish gal, and in order not to have any friction in their marriage, they dropped religion out of their life 30 years ago. No practice of anything. And so he's been interested, and his eyes open, and he's grasping more and more of the Bible. He's still at the point that he hopes his good works will outweigh his bad works, but he's connecting with the Word of God and just growing in, in getting closer to gospel in wonderful ways. We love equipping kids, so we've started a good news club in the local school. We couldn't get in right after school like good news clubs like to be. It had to be at 6.30. COVID hit. We're doing virtual Zoom meetings with our six kids. That was a struggle. Glad we're back in person. Last summer during COVID, we did a vacation Bible school and tried to have everyone six foot apart. We're wearing masks. It was going to rain toward the end of the week. 
And so I asked the mothers if we could finish Vacation Bible School in our home, and they said, fine, which opened the door that this last crazy school year, in and out of school, hybrid, whatever, the moms were very comfortable that we could be in person with a Good News Club in our home. One of the moms, Miss Linda, is a believer from Ghana, married an American, she's over here. Uh, some cultures are event cultures. When they get there, they will be there long enough that they have had a lot of fun. They are not run on American time orientation. So Miss Lynn is always 10 minutes late, and she tends to be half an hour late picking the kids up. Deb and I had to make some quick decisions. She's going to be half an hour late each week. Shall we be grumpy and growly about the fact that she's just wasting our time? Or, yes, Lord, shall we sit down, play fish and uno with the kids and feed them snacks and get to hear more of their life? And so, again, the uncomfortable things of life often open new doors. What else can we do for the schools? Just before COVID landed, I had started talking with the strings teacher at Pointer Ridge. Do you guys ever need instruments you could give to the kids? She said, yes. Our finances would not let me buy them. COVID lands, I'm told you have to stay at home, no going out except for the grocery store. So I thought, fine, I will make violins for the kids. The pink violin is what all the schools call a violin-shaped object. It is somewhere between plywood and cardboard, and it has no quality of sound. But for 35 bucks, I can buy that plywood-shaped object, and I get a case, I get a bow, a chin rest, a tailpiece, a bridge, pegs, strings aren't worth playing with. I get all the accoutrements, so I build the instrument, put the stuff on it, I have a case and a bow that I can give to the school. And that first set of five, it was all out of wood sitting in my shop. She teaches at two schools, so I made her another set, and this is what I make before I put the other stuff on from the violin-shaped objects. Got to talk to the middle school teacher. She needed violins, but specifically three violas. I was able to get her four. And as I was making that, I thought, you know, the hardest thing for a middle school to get is cellos that they could give away. Um, between eBay and Craigslist, I found two on Craigslist, which mean they're drive distance. I don't have to pay for shipping. And they're just over 100 bucks. We've been talking to our chiropractor about what I'm doing for the school, so I went to Dr. Bryant and said, hey, if I can get a cello, broken cello, for just over 100 bucks, would you buy it, I fix it, and the school gets a cello? He said, absolutely. Just tell me how much, I'll write the check. And so we're also getting to involve others. Then two more violas for the Christian school just north of town. With that simple question again, the one thing I, I hope you hold with you as you go, what do you love to do? How might God help you do it with some unsaved friends? You might not have any unsaved friends yet. How might God help you to do it with some unsaved people who could become friends? Because the more you become friends, the more the Holy Spirit just happens to open up opportunities to talk about heart needs and get to share the gospel. Wrapping it all up, thank you for your patience with me. We're excited about future possibilities. Coming out of our end, we called it Pointer Ridge Elementary. Well, this is the Pointer Ridge Avenue. And you see that piece of land that's not been developed since the 60s when that town was built. It is now under full go of development, 200 housing units within a mile of my house. If that wasn't cool enough, the South Lake development is going to have 1,360 new homes. Now, Amber Ridge with 200s up there, South Lake's down there, I live right here, and guess what school all those kids are going to go to? Elementary age-wise, Pointer Ridge. So it may well be that God put us here to start planting seed because history-wise, New developments like this are the easiest place to reach people for Christ anywhere you go. So please pray with us. I think Pastor Preston biblically prayed the phrase from Deuteronomy, Lord, would you go before them and prepare hearts? That is our prayer constantly. Attempt great things for God, expect great things from God, William Carey. 
If you've read our last two prayer letters, not everything you try works out. Working to develop a spiritual discussion group on a broad outreach level instead of people you've been talking to and building relationships. We're just coming out of COVID. There's been such loneliness and longing to get together. We sent out to 3,685 3, homes, one mailer each week for seven weeks. When you think about what it costs to print that mailer and then what it costs to mail it, that was a scary amount of money to try to reach souls for Christ. We paid $300. Again, we're using the Seeker Small Group. And if you want to buy this book, it is gold. It, it just explains everything of how you would put together a Seeker Small Group and how any person, common everyday folk, could use this tool to reach their neighbors and friends for Christ. So seven weeks creating these flyers, getting them out, We've put $300 in running the pavilion, hopefully so that they would feel it was a safe place. Safe place. They could sit six feet apart, and one person came. That took the wind out of my sails for a few days. It, it is hard not to put in great hope, but an awful lot of outreach is we're fishers for men, and we're not sure which bait's going to work. So you throw out bait one way and you throw it out another, and I want to encourage you, because you might, like me, have tried things and said, well, I guess I'm just not equipped. I guess God doesn't want to use me, and you stopped. These scriptures help keep my head above water. Consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. I wish we had 20 minutes we could just talk about the similarity and the difference between growing weary and being exhausted. I can be exhausted and thrilled because it got something done. Growing weary, I'm emotionally giving up. And so the Bible puts those two together. Watch out about emotionally giving up because everything crashes then. Galatians 6.9, let us not become weary in doing what is good. At the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't. Give up, lose heart. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know your labor in the Lord, not in vain.